0: On this month's edition of The Sound Rider Show, we'll be talking about new models, broken records in Bonneville, and motorcycle shows you can go to if you can get across the border to Canada. It's all coming up next on The Sound Rider Show.
1: Support for The Sound Rider Show is provided in part by Valentine Motor Works, Seattle's independent service shop specializing in BMW motorcycles and beyond. Call or visit them to discuss your next service or restoration project soon. Find them online at valentinemotorworks.com.
2: This is Scott McMillan from Adventure Motorsports in Monroe. Welcome to The Sound Writer Show. And now live from the Crow's Nest Studio in beautiful downtown Broadview, Washington, join us for the latest episode of The Sound Writer Show. A candid hour featuring the people, places, and things that make up the fabric of one of the top motorcycle riding destinations in the world. And now, here are your hosts, Tom Merrin, and whoever else happens to drop by today. Welcome,
3: riders from all over the Pacific Northwest, all over the United States of America, all over Canada, and all over the rest of the world. We are here with the Soundwriter Show, the October edition. And uh, in case you didn't notice it, we didn't have a September edition. Why didn't we have a September edition, Jim?
0: Well, we were all busy at Rally in the Gorge at the end of August
3: and uh, just ran out of time. Yeah. And we could have pushed it and maybe recorded one, but it really wasn't a lot that needed to get dealt with. Now we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Too Lots forward. of catching up to do. So uh, we will talk about the Rally in the Gorge, but before we get to that, I know you've been out test riding some bikes, so give us a couple of, a couple of highlights on what you've been test riding.
0: Yeah, I took advantage of the uh, Kawasaki demo truck being in town, and uh, I went down to uh, Nash Power Sports in Auburn. And I didn't get there in the morning, and typically, if you want to do multiple rides, you're better off to arrive early for those kinds of events. So when I showed up in the afternoon, I was only able to get on one bike. <laughs> so um i I rode the Ninja 1000. and um I you know, uh, they I don't recall any other demo trucks that I've been to doing this before but they had everybody taking a breathalyzer test um and i'm apparently really uh not very good at that so i probably had to try about six or eight different times before they got a good reading (laughs) wow um that have you had to do that on any test rides where you've had to do the breathalyzer
3: no uh -uh. yeah i thought that was new and i made a a comment
0: Yeah, I, I said – I was joking a little bit, but I said, oh, is this new because something really terrible happened? <laughs> and they said, no, no, we've always done this. And, and I know I've done Cowie demos before, and I just
3: don't recall having having that happen. But Yeah, but like what uh, if you breathe COVID into the breathalyzer, <laughs> and then even though they changed the mouthpiece for the next guy, he, he, he sucks in some of your COVID breath? they were only it was only blowing air there was no
0: sucking in air and they had you know gloves on and they were throwing things out and um i didn't think about the inhaling but you know it was outdoors and everybody was spaced out and they you know had uh, plenty of extra tubes to breathe into and out of i i honestly felt bad about all the plastic they were wasting just trying to get a decent read on
3: me yeah because you know they're not going to recycle that Right. Oh, not at all. Yeah. Even though all that plastic um, is good for making mm -hmm. number seven plastic, which is used (laughs) for making like park benches and stuff. Sure. Or uh,
0: like the, don't they do some composite decking with some of that stuff?
3: Yeah. Yeah, they do.
0: Yeah. So, uh, anyway, so I, I, the other thing that happened that I thought was interesting, I typically, you know, I I mean, I've done a lot of demo truck rides and I've never been put at the back. and, And I think that they did that. Uh, You know, I've ridden all kinds of different size bikes in demo rides. They were putting the leader bikes in the back, and I didn't know if they were doing that. I I don't know if they were doing that. I don't know. I mean, you know, normally I'm toward the front of the line. Anyway, it was interesting to be in the back. You get kind of a better show because you kind of see everybody, you know, struggling with a bike they're not used to. And so it can be a little entertaining. But um, in any event, what ended up happening, that bike has ABS on it and uh, I will tell you that the the test drive route around auburn is a really fun one mm-hmm. it's nice it's got some twisties and um it's it's a fun it's a fun test route and um but we you know our group didn't all make it through one of the traffic lights. And so I had an opportunity and I probably wouldn't have done it if I didn't know the bike had ABS, but I had an opportunity to do some pretty hard braking and I didn't notice the ABS kicking on. And I thought that was either I didn't feel it or notice it, or it was just that good that, um, that, that I just didn't sense it. But, uh, you know,
3: I, I had an What's ABS that? sensor out in my car and and it never mm. showed up on the dashboard and I took it in for service and they go hey we got to replace your ABS sensor I go what happened they go it's not there anymore Oh <laughs> Whoops Yikes Yeah
0: so I you know I'm, and maybe there was an issue with the ABS not working on the bike either it worked and I didn't notice or I didn't need it or it, you know but I I thought I uh I I would have enjoyed noticing it working if uh if uh, under those circumstances if uh if i could have sensed it but so then um, would
3: that make it hard to do trail breaking? basically you know i i
0: don't know I, I i mean i yeah i don't know i haven't read up on people that are uh you know taking those bikes to the i don't know you know i think those sensors have gotten better to or the that technology has gotten better i'm, I'm hearing people say it's you don't notice it as much or it doesn't interfere as much. It almost, you know, initially my understanding was that people were kind of having to work around it or turn it off because it was interfering too much or too disruptive. And, um, yeah, what I'm hearing now is that that most people are, you know, appreciating it and, and not noticing it or not feeling like it's interfering with, with the way they want to ride. Um, But I, you know, I haven't taken a bike to the track that's got ABS, so, um, so I don't know. That's a question for somebody else. Um, I will say, you you know, I I, like a, you know, a Japanese leader bike is always fun to ride. It's a great bike. Um, I'm sure the suspension must have been nice, huh?
3: What's that? The suspension
0: yes yeah enjoyed the suspension Uh, you know it's it was a fun great bike to ride i was happy i'm always happy to (laughs) to you know to take out a ninja or uh you know an r1 or anything Uh, they're they're all great (laughs) Mm
3: -hmm.
0: (laughs) and and bikes i enjoy so i got to do that and then i went to i chased the the demo truck so the next day i went to uh, paulson's down in olympia and again, they were, you know, they had a lot of people turning out for these uh, demo rides. And I was able to get on a new uh, KLR 650. Um, it was a prototype bike. And uh, the, you know, the folks organizing the event said, there's no tachometer on this. And it was missing one of the other or something else I thought was a little bit funny. But, um, I, you know, my, my, the biggest takeaway, I think, from the KLR test ride was just how strange it felt to have fuel injection on that bike because I have an old, you know, I have a 2008 KLR 650, and um, you know that's what I'm that I, that's the KLR I've put the most miles on, and yeah. so to have a, a fuel injected version of that just felt wrong. <laughs> it just seemed too smooth. <laughs>
3: yeah, I said, did it feel good?
0: No, <laughs> I did. I had a hard time, um, you know, reconciling that in terms of a KLR experience. Uh, so that that made me laugh. But um, uh, you know, I think it's. Uh, it, it, I yeah. I you know, I think somebody getting I I don't know. You know, there's part of me that thinks I, I like the idea of the KLR kind of the you know the zombie apocalypse bike with the least amount of complicated anything and yeah. you know 80% of it can be broken and it'll still run so there's a little bit of me that has a hard time letting go of the idea of of keeping that as simple as possible and and uh, but you know I think it's a, a smart upgrade for them to have made generally speaking oh yeah it was
3: way overdue and it's (laughs) probably gonna help it in terms of smog and that sort of Mm -hmm. thing so yeah
0: i think you know anybody who hasn't been riding a uh you know an older klr (laughs) or you know then you know it's probably gonna appreciate it i just thought it felt really strange and a little disconcerting and maybe a little too smooth
3: (laughs) so instead of being a swiss army knife it's a swiss watch now right
0: right (laughs) i'm not sure i'm ready
3: for that kind of an upgrade <laughs> hmm. All right. So uh, we went to the rally in the gorge. At least I think yes. I went, didn't I? Yeah. Yes.
0: You went down there twice, didn't you? Or multiple times if you count the uh, the, the route uh,
3: development. Oh, yeah. Time. The pre-ride part. That's, pre-ride, that's part yeah. of the fun of doing the rally is going doing the pre-riding stuff. And then uh, I went down two weeks later after the rally was over to do a little scouting for an idea i have for next year nice
0: and And so you were able Did the weather hold up and you were able to ride get some riding in
3: yeah i was uh the weather was good well actually the weather was bad on friday when i went down and this was a this was a 24-hour trip i went down i camped out and then uh, when i came home on saturday that was the good that was the good part i got to go ride that new pavement section on fisher hill road I did that too, and I, you
0: know, well during the rally I did that, and yeah. and um, I did as I was riding that on pavement, I was having flashbacks to having ridden that on dirt, and uh, that is that's a really
3: fun road. Yeah, way. yeah. So, but I, I got to tell you, this is kind of weird when I say it, and it, I don't know, maybe it's just gonna, I haven't been riding much, but uh, I did it in in both uh, Connie's Civic in both directions this year. And then I did it on my bike, the uh, the NC seven hundred X. Yes, I had more fun in the Civic. Oh no, kidding! <laughs> no kidding! Oh, interesting. I think did I've been driving have, the Civic a lot more this year than I've been riding the bike. So sure.
0: Did you have? Did you find
3: one direction more fun than the other, or that was fun I, both? Yeah, ways? I actually thought going northbound, coming mm-hmm. up Canyon Road, because when you come up Canyon Road. You know, you're coming up about, I don't know, a thousand feet or more in elevation. And to me, going up a road is all, a twisty road is always better than coming down because I'm not having to fight the bike with braking and all, you know, compression sure. and whatever. Sure. So for me, it's a, a smoother, more calculated ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then getting up on that top section between Appleton and before it drops back down to where the overlook is. That was so fun in the car. It's just—it's <laughs> like being on a little roller coaster. Oh, that's fun. That's great. Well, maybe I'll get down there in
0: uh, my little uh, Pontiac vibe and see how that yeah. uh, how that does. <laughs> so, what else about the rally? Well, I had uh I I pinned the throttle on my KLR 650 probably more that uh during the rally than than ever before uh partly because I was riding with somebody that was on an FJR. So there's a, you know, a four-cylinder 1300cc bike and me on my single cylinder uh, KLR 650 and coming across I think the bridge of the gods where you come up the hill and uh we had a pretty heavy headwind and boy did I have to work the heck out of that KLR. Yeah. <laughs> to keep up so, so. going
3: toward okay. mount hood on yes. highway 35 yeah
0: yeah i think well we were uh, i i kind of don't remember now i just remember coming across the bridge and up,
3: up yeah when on, you go up the uh, hill you're on highway 35 yep. yes yeah that's yeah exciting. i know it can get windy in there uh, very the good thing strong is winds. they have two lanes going up the hill so at mm-hmm. least you're not holding anybody up right right yeah the the uh, the
0: person i was riding with was very kind about <laughs> periodically pulling over and waiting
3: for me <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh, i have a friend i used to cool. ride with and about every two hours i'd see him down the road and he'd be standing next to his bike with his little thermos out drinking his sure. coffee taking a little break waiting <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, you know the klr is
0: definitely more fun off-road than on the pavement uh, you know not to say you can't have fun with it on the pavement but um you know I, I I have more fun with it on in the dirt roads, and it's kind of a better place for it.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to thank you and Colin for all the work that you guys did in the kitchen. You guys were just incredible helpers to to. That do, was fun to, to put yeah, all the was time a, that you put in.
0: Sure. Yeah, it was fun to meet Colin. He's great to work with, and uh, yeah, it's a, you know, it's it, I thought there was a really good turnout, and people seemed to really appreciate uh, you know having food on site that was uh you know good great recipes and you know it wasn't just i don't know i you know when you go to events sometimes the food quality is is pretty poor or you don't get anything that interesting or you know that exciting and uh i thought it was nice to be able to provide that kind of the menu that you guys put together i thought was really nice for folks
3: yeah some of those salads were tasty just because of the infused balsamic and oil
0: Right, yeah, it was a lot of fun uh, uh, seeing what uh, you could do with some of those uh, infused oils and uh, and the balsamics. Did I had any uh, ice cream with,
3: with the balsamic on it.
0: I don't do dairy, so um, oh, okay. I missed that. But I did catch—I um, think it was the maybe the strawberry balsamic on the frozen fruit, which is just wonderful. It's oh a yeah, great. Uh,
3: that, that was awesome. Yeah, you could put that in like a Diet Coke, too, you know, and then have a Diet oh a Strawberry Coke. Seriously. Yikes.
0: Sure. That's not really yeah, that's my not, jam. I do it
3: all the time. <laughs> oh, boy.
0: Yeah. I did think, I, you know, at some point maybe I'll uh, get some seltzer water or something and uh, maybe try some balsamic in there. I think that's a fun idea.
3: Well, we had pretty good weather. Didn't have any rain.
0: Yeah, that was nice. Um, you know, the the uh, there, were, there was more opportunity and more space this year for people to set up tents under some of the the uh, buildings and the pavilions uh which i think last year one of those was all filled up with uh like gates it was stacked full of gates and so uh so this year you know it didn't rain so it wasn't an issue but it was nice for the shade too you know if you wanted to set up under one of those pavilions and you didn't have to worry about uh you know getting stuck sitting in the sun at a Point in the day when you know you you didn't want to have to worry about that.
3: Yeah, they need to put some trees in further, closer to the community hall, so people can camp down closer. Because you know, all the tent campers end up being way out there. It's like, it's like a quarter mile out there. Right, you need it, a golf it does
0: cart feel there. right, right, right. I know a lot of a lot of us were, you know, riding our bikes back and forth between the community hall and the the tent just because it is a little bit
3: of a distance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know what else. It wasn't. Uh, I I just I, I I worked. I was working like sixteen hours a day, so it was crazy for me. Yeah. Those are,
0: that's long days. And it's a lot of work to put those events together. Um, but yeah, it seemed like folks were having a good time and appreciate the vendors that came out and all the volunteers and, and, uh, you know, the, I did the, the vision clinic with, um, Jesse and, uh, that, you know, that's always a great opportunity every year to it's, it's, you know, it's always good to practice those skills and refresh, uh, all of the different, uh, tips and tricks and techniques. And, uh, Uh, You can't, you really can't practice that stuff too much.
3: (laughs) Somebody came to me and told me how excited he was because he was going to go ride and he had just learned how to do the vanishing point technique. So I was like, Hey, that I like to hear that.
0: Yeah. It's great because it's, you know, you can notice immediate improvements on uh, both your experience and then, uh, you know, your increased ability to stay safe out on the road.
3: Yeah. And you can use that when you're driving a car. Exactly. So when exactly. you're driving a car, all of a sudden you find out you don't have to have as many brake jobs as often because right. you're using a vanishing point and you know when to, to, to get off the throttle and not just keep going you know, full speed up until you see this little corner 10 feet in front of you and jam the brakes in.
0: Yeah, I definitely used my braking skills from motorcycling in cars um, and also uh, noticed that that uh, it just creates a much better experience. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, it's a fun way to practice. I can practice smooth braking in a car, you know, and then have that, you know, translate back to, to being on the motorcycle.
3: Yeah, and on automatic transmission, I'm constantly dropping down to second. I want that compression when I'm driving. Mm-hmm.
0: For sure. So...
3: Well, let's see, um, so much for the rally, we'll move on to the Café to Café event, which has just ended, and we had about 60 people play this year, and we've Yay. had a dozen people finish all 15 locations, so that's... That's fantastic. That's pretty yeah. good, a 20% yeah. on that, that's, that's mm-hmm. it's, you know, I don't expect everybody to do it, and, and, you know, some people get out there and do about half of them, whatever, uh, some people just want the list, so they'll pay to right. get the list, so... Yeah, and you know that. I mean, there's a lot
0: you cover. Three different states, four different states. Yeah, on we cover. That.
3: Well, sometimes we have California in there, or we might have one out. I think we had one out in Montana this year. Yeah,
0: pretty spectacular for all the folks that made it to all of those destinations. So a big round of applause for them, and, and it, really everybody who signed up and and you know gets you get out to those places and support those uh, small businesses and restaurants. Yeah. It's great too.
3: I couldn't have uh, any Canadian stuff in there this year because right. the border wasn't open, and so none of the, none of our Canadian contingent got to play. A lot of them like to come down here and ride around and check out all the cafes that we put in in the States. But- yeah, hopefully some of the our Canadian friends got the list so that uh, when the border opens up and
0: that gets easier, they can come down and check out those places. Yep.
3: And maybe this winter I'll get around to doing the book. It's tricky doing the book because I don't, it's going to take a lot of research to find out who's still open. Right. So, but it's something on my mind for this winter. Sure, your winter project. <laughs> yep. All right, let's take a little break, and when we come back, we'll do
1: some news bites and we'll do the calendar. Sounds great. Support for Soundwriter and The Soundwriter Show is made possible by adventure motorsports stomish county's largest selection of yamaha and suzuki motorcycles atvs quads and utvs are available in monroe at adventure motorsports celebrating a decade of top rated sales service parts and accessory support hit the road and visit adventure motorsports today
2: hey i'm don hutchins i'm the editor of the washington
3: state bmw riders newsletter the shaft i live in kingston my favorite ride is the Tahuya peninsula on my k1600 with my sweetie on the back.
2: This is James Holter from the American Motorcyclist Association and you're listening to The Soundrider Show.
3: Are back on the Soundwriter show. I'm here with Jen, and we are gonna hey. pop into the news bite section. I'm sorry. Did you say your last name? Uh, I you I you could. It's oh. Jennifer Poole. <laughs> oh, I said Jen, and I thought you said Pool. Oh, oh no, I just said hey. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, let's see. Okay, our first news bite. Um, we actually had a whole bunch of news bites, but we're gonna we're in the next. Part of the show, we're going to cover a whole bunch of the twenty-two models that are coming out. So, we have sort of an abbreviated news bites and abbreviated calendar because, after all, it's October. Uh, Twisted Road, which is sort of like an Airbnb motorcycle rental company, has teamed up with Emerald City Harley Davidson, so that if you want to, you can kind of try and then buy the bike from Emerald city, but you'll rent it through twisted road first. So,
0: yeah, I looked at the twisted road, uh, the, so as a motorcycle owner, you can sign up and have, make your bike available for people to rent it out for, you know, a day, a week, whatever it is. And, um, I, you know, I was looking that in terms of they there's, there's a certain level of coverage that they provide. And, and I can't remember off the top of my head, I think it was, you know, for if there's a maintenance issue, you know, the owner of the bike is responsible for it. But if there is a problem where say a rider who's renting your bike drops it, then, you know, that would be a covered, uh, that would be covered by the, the insurance coverage they provide. And there was a, max cap on that. And I want to say it was 15 or $16,000. And, you know, if the bike was completely destroyed, they'd replace it for market value up to, you know, X thousand dollars. Um, But you could also purchase additional insurance coverage if you wanted. Um, And then as a, uh, but so then, you know, then you have to wonder, well, okay, how do I, how do I feel comfortable (laughs) renting out my bike to a complete stranger and, you know, where and when and how do you meet? And um, so they're they're figuring all that out in terms of, you know, making it easy for people to find a, you know, a coffee shop or, you know, wherever's convenient for for the parties to meet. And then you get a, they do a screening. In front of the county jail. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think they, well, they check for, you know, traffic violations, they check for motorcycle endorsement. And they also collect history from the person so so that, you you know, you can find out what kind of bikes they've owned and ridden. And then as the person renting out the bike, you can, you know, you can look at that information and go, oh, yeah, I feel comfortable renting my bike out to, you know, to somebody with this kind of experience or who's owned these kinds of bikes and who has a, you know, uh, no major violations and has their motorcycle endorsement so so as a person renting out your bike similar to airbnb where you can you know you can approve um you know you can look at the reviews and approve somebody to you know to to um, rent your house it's the same with the motorcycle so um you, you know i i think there's certain bikes where you know you might be more comfortable doing that than you know if you have a brand like i you know a brand new tenor 700 you know it's not going to be high on the list to to you know to rent out but you know and
3: well what you you could do is you could just i don't know what the value of this is but if you thought you Mm -hmm. were going to make enough money to make it worth it you just buy an old bike sure and get it in good shape and that's the rental bike and you don't ever worry about riding it yourself it's just there for people to rent
0: sure if you had like a you know a versus or uh you know uh if some of the fun like the you know the honda cbs some of the older vintage bikes might be kind of fun and uh people would get out a kick out of riding them and you know so I, i think there's a whole variety of of motorcycles that would fit into a category of uh you know that they'd be fun and and for people to ride and easy to maintain and and rent out if uh you know if you wanted to get into that business is a great way to to do it and I think it's gonna catch on more and more.
3: Yeah. I mean I'm interested to see how this how this goes. Not not Mm. you know, I mean just in general how their business model works out. Right. When I, you know, I looked at, I looked to
0: see what was available in Bremerton. There was one motorcycle over here. I think it was, you know, a $50 a day. Uh, There was, there were a lot in Seattle. I thought maybe that'd be a fun way to, you know, ride a BMW F800 GS for a few days. Most of those were running a a little over a hundred dollars a day. So, you know, it's worth looking into. And quite frankly, there's been, I think a, a pretty significant gap in, motorcycle travel to where uh, you know if i'm traveling somewhere and i show up in a a city, and I don't necessarily want to, you know, motorcycle the whole time I'm there, but, you know, hey, maybe for a day or two, I rent yeah. somebody's bike and explore the town or uh, the outlying areas. I think that's a great idea. And it just opens up a whole world of, of travel options where you could make motorcycling part of your trip, but not the only thing, you know, where you had to trailer a bike or rent one for, you know, an entire week. I think it's a great option. And
3: I've done that, when, that I, when I go to Hawaii. I just rent. For the day, mm-hmm. I pack all my gear in a box and I ship it over. And then, sure, uh, but yeah, in that waiting you know. for me. And actually, mm-hmm. one year I had an FC6 and uh, that I owned here at home and mm-hmm. when i went on to the big island i rode an fc6 all over the big island so it was nice having my own bike it didn't have my custom seat on it but
0: sure sure yeah it's you know i i feel like the the it's you, you know depending on where you're going you're not always going to find those motorcycle rental places and this fills that gap where you've got individual motorcycle owners uh you know giving you some uh oh, maybe a wider variety and i could see some of the dealers like the you know emerald city harley having a uh, you know, being able to uh, use that app platform to get people on their bikes. Um, so it's great for the dealers. It's also great for individuals. Um, yeah, because a really they don't
3: way. have a, a current rental program. They used to, but they <laughs> they sort of gave it up. And uh, uh oh, and also this is uh, applicable over at East Side Harley Davidson as well. Nice. But, yeah. Um, great. But, I, I, you know, I, I like to see a dealer kind of latch on to this thing, and and maybe it'll sell a few bikes for them, and there's no skin off their back, you know. I mean, they must be providing the bike that Twisted Road rents, but they don't have to have all the insurance and all that stuff lined up that, you know, that's all covered through Twisted Road already, so. Right.
0: Yep, it saves them a whole lot of the, the hassle of the, the paperwork and the insurance part. Yeah.
3: All righty. Um... Let's see, Uh, I got a a note the other day from the folks up at the Vancouver Motorcycle Show telling me that they're a green light for January 21st through the 23rd at the Tradex Center. And you're talking Vancouver, British Columbia, not Vancouver, Washington. Gotcha. (laughs) Vancouver, BC. Uh, The Tradex has been in limbo because they they, uh, couldn't make a deal with the city, and then now the city wants to sell it. So, uh, I I don't know who will actually own it when we have the motorcycle show, but the, they're they're saying they're going to have it. So, did they? You, uh, so I haven't been up to that one. Have you been to that one? I have been. Yeah, probably about a half a dozen times. And what's
0: the size on that, and the range of models? Do they focus uh, particularly on European bikes, Japanese bikes? Uh, oh, they have all the boards, manufacturers everything?
3: there.
2: Mm, so nice. they'll
3: have a they'll have a Honda, a Suzuki, a Yamaha booth, and then they'll have a Harley booth, an Indian booth, and a Kawasaki, and uh, I, you know. And then when they where they can't get like a, a Piaggio truck out, they'll usually have the local Moto Guzzi Aprilia dealer go in Great. and show. So it's uh, it's, a, it's a fairly large. Uh, it's like two long tubes, is what it mm-hmm. is. And uh, some years it's even been even bigger. I noticed last year they kind of tightened it in a little bit, but um, and it's in January, so you know they're trying to have like a motorcycle <laughs> stunt show, and it's like 20 degrees out. <laughs> and, but uh, there have been years when I put on my electric clothing and I ride up on the bike. Sure. And then there's years that I'm glad I took the car. So last <laughs> year when I, or not last year, but two years ago when I went up, I worked with uh, Rich at Rich's Custom Seats and I helped him out in his booth. Nice. So that's probably what I'll do again if I go this year. Sure. So, and, and Rich is going up there, do you know? Yeah. Well, he's yep. he's on the list. He, he cool. He's just sort of thinking, yeah, well, let's just wait till we get a little closer and see if it's really going to happen. Right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to uh, see how the winner goes. Because, you know, the one thing I don't look forward to, and we had to do this at the rally, was I want to do all this stuff with a face mask on. Right. And,
0: and you know, then we'll still have the issue of figuring out how they're handling crossing the border and, and how all that's going to work and making sure, you know, people can get up there from here.
3: Yeah. And when are they going to give me a real Vax card that won't fall apart in my wallet? That's what I need. I think it's funny that they made them oversized. <laughs> yeah. That was really goofy. They should have made them the size of a credit card.
0: I think they did that to uh, encourage people to demand a digital version of it. It's easier to track. That's so probably it Probably It was intentional.
3: <laughs> well, there's a barcode on the back of my driver's license. Can't they just attach a database to that? Yeah. Just stick the chip right in your fingernail or something? Yeah, but tattoo 666 on my forehead, you know? (laughs) There you go. All right, what else is going on? Uh, Okay, so there was a lot of hoopla about the – oh, I got one more here at home first before I get into that one. Uh, There is a new motorcycle shop opening in Sisters, Oregon. Ooh. And you, you won't believe the name. It's called Sisters Moto. Shocking! How did I, they think of that? I, I knew you wouldn't believe it. <sighs> uh, so it's it's run by a family called the Brent family, and it's uh, mom and dad, and then the kids are. I don't know if they're coming in the store and playing video games or what, but they're somehow tied in. Uh, are they like focusing it's gonna be mostly- more?
0: On dirt bike and ATV. Yeah, it looks mostly yep.
3: like it's going to be dirt bike, ATV, ATV type stuff. Um, mm-hmm. We'll have to pop down there in the late spring or something and see what's going on. Sure, that'll be fun. I I hope that they're able to get all the stock that they want
0: and need. And <laughs> to, well, you know.
3: they, they, they say they're actually pretty well stocked, and that that uh, you know a lot of stuff is available right on the shelf at the store, so you don't have to buy online. Oh great. But um I I'd love to walk in the store and see how real that is, but but uh they're they're interested in building community. So, you know, I I never hear about like any dirt bike racing or anything down in Central Oregon, but maybe either they'll get it going or they'll they'll make a deal out of what might already be available there.
0: Yeah, that would be fun if they could uh uh get some more uh places for families to ride together uh or figure out ways to get more people outdoors. I think that's uh it's a, a great use of uh a, a motorcycle shop.
3: <laughs> there is a there is a little off-road area. It's like a BLM land, I think it is. And it's out to the east of Bend. I don't know if you've ever been out there before. I have been to Bend and Sisters. It was quite a while ago, and I wasn't there
0: uh, on a motorcycle. And uh, did some hiking. Also, uh, Tess rode a fat tire bicycle, <laughs> but uh, didn't, uh, didn't have a chance to do any motorcycling down there. So I'm not really familiar with uh, uh, what kind of access they have to, um, uh, you know, off-road adventures. So or- a lot
3: of single track stuff, and it's south of Prineville. Just off the road that goes from Prineville south, uh, I don't know, down to Highway 126 or whatever that number is down there. <clears throat> yeah, there's
0: you know a lot. I would think a lot of great riding and a lot of um, outdoor enthusiasts in that area, and uh, hopefully they can build a uh, some uh, great uh,
3: motorcycling community to get uh, get some more families riding together we got right, we got another local report here too um the Bonneville results which we can't find posted anywhere right now but we know that uh what was that back in July we had Bill Wood on as a guest it was yeah, it was July August it was August wasn't it August? it was right before it was oh, okay. the it was August the show.
0: August show yep that's right
3: so uh Bill Woods uh he he wouldn't tell us what he was going to race it, at Bonneville uh, or even what class he was going to race in. He just kind of threw out a couple of. well, eh, it might be a 600, it might be Yamaha. I don't know. Uh, but you know these. I'm telling you, these guys they they sit and and they pick their classes. They're going to nail because they know they can they can nail it. And this year, uh, the end result was that Bill took a 1978. Yamaha XT500, which is like a dual sport bike from the late 70s. Right. And uh, the, the, the record in that category up until Bill broke it was 55 miles an hour. And so Bill uh, fed a little nitrous tube into this XT500 motor and annihilated the record by going 147 miles an hour. And that's the unbelievable both directions. Yeah, I'd love to hear what kind of shape the bike is in, uh, you know, after the after both of those runs well, and that to, record. They had to blow it up once to figure out they couldn't feed it as much nitrous oxide <laughs> as they had been, which probably meant there was more available in the parking lot that night, so Right.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, it'll uh, be fun to uh hear from Bill and uh get the get the story on that, but that's a pretty amazing uh uh that's a a, a huge leap in the record. Here huge
3: that that'd be someone someone's got to work to beat now for I think sure it's like uh it was like a classic 500 or some some category like that so
0: how fun i'm glad uh, that that uh, that they had some
3: success down there and i'm sure they learned many valuable lessons for uh for the next round do you want to uh sacrifice your your klr motor and have them take that down and See if they it can get two hundred miles an hour it, out of it. Right. It could use some attention. I keep thinking about doing
0: that uh, six eighty five bore kit just to help with the the um oil burning issue, but I I don't know. You know, then I, I kinda go back and forth on that. It's like do I you know, do I do I get the big bore kit on that, or do I just haul a quart of oil
3: around? Well, yeah, <laughs> no. and you know, if, if if you thought fuel injected made the that bike smoother, wait till you feed it <laughs> right. nitrous oxide. Right. <laughs> I, I don't know that. Yeah, I don't know if it can handle it. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's see on the national scene. Uh, We have a link to this on our News bites page. Uh, Harley-Davidson did a really nice – or it wasn't Harley-Davidson. It was – I think it was Motorsports – what is it? Motorsports uh, Powerhouse News or something. Did a really nice write-up on the 1250 motor production that they've been putting into the the Harley-Davidson Pan America. And it's quite detailed information. So – Couple highlights that I liked out of it. That motor has a 13 to 1 compression ratio, and I love compression, so (laughs) that was right up my alley. Nice. Uh, But the motor requires 91 octane. Oh, interesting. Okay. So so if you're going to have a Pan America bike, do you think you're going to find 91 octane everywhere you go? Oh, interesting. Riding up and down from South America up to Alaska? I don't know. Right. Oh boy, boy that is tricky. Interesting. Hmm. You're going to have to keep an eye on where everybody launches their boats so you know where to go to get the 91 octane. Indeed. I I did read in the the
0: Harley Davidson Thunder Press uh, that they did have a that they took a group in the with the Pan Americas off-road in at the Sturgis Rally. So there's uh, you know, in the years to come going probably likely to be more and more uh, of an off-road component added to that event every year. So yeah. um, it sounds a, like that
3: group had a good time. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I got a, a note from American Motorcycles Association the other day, and they were talking about something I had never heard of. And I slipped it to you, and you'd never heard of it either. Indeed, and it's true. Tell us more. Speedway Sidecar Racing. And yeah. So where where is that happening? <laughs> well, what they were talking about was in the Midwest, but I want to see that come out to the West Coast. That would be fantastic. You know, I did go to uh, Washington
0: Motorcycle Road Racing Association. Uh, had uh, they they were out at the Ridge Motorsports Park in Shelton. Yeah. And um, I went to spectate, and they did have sidecars. Uh, racing one day, well, maybe both days. But um, they only had three entries, so I guess everybody got a podium finish. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Everyone's a winner. But, uh, <laughs> right. you know, I love I loved to watch Speedway racing. And then have you ever watched the ice racing, the, the Speedway yes. ice racing? Yep, yes. We've so, been to the so ice races a couple different times. I'll tell you one thing for sure. I'll never be the monkey on the sidecar of a Speedway <laughs> right. ice racer. right because right. uh, that could get really bloody oh that sounds so intense little spikes in the tires and right just hang out the wrong direction and boom right <laughs> oh man yeah i i would love to see more
0: uh sidecar action and um uh, yeah I, d- I don't know i don't know why there isn't more of that <laughs> and so if anybody's interested <laughs> you know it, it's a great uh i, I enjoy spectating
3: so so, so I was going to combine the calendar, but, you know, we're we're uh, running up on time here, so I'm going to take a pause here. We'll do a little bit of the uh, sponsor
1: information, and we'll be back with the calendar. Support for the Soundrider Show is provided in part by I-90 Motorsports, your east side destination for Honda, Yamaha, Triumph, KTM, Suzuki, and Can-Am sales and service. Does your taste for outdoor fun go beyond two wheels? I-90 Motorsports has you covered with a wide range of sleds, watercraft, UTVs, and side-by-sides, too. Check them out online today at I-90Motorsports.com.
3: Hey, I'm Gordon from West Seattle, and uh, one of my favorite recent rides was the Reuben Run
2: down in Oregon. Hi, this is Mark from Valentine Motorworks, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show.
3: We're back on the Soundwriter Show. Happy October, everybody. We're here to scare the hell. Oh, no. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're going to get in some calendar dates here. And then if we can do this quick enough, we'll pop over and talk about some of the new 2022 models that are coming out. And the first calendar date we have is uh, October 2nd, the Sushi Ride. with This is put on by Lady Riders. So if you're a guy, don't just stop listening right now. <laughs> uh, and and you'll meet at a certain location, and then you're going to ride out to a sushi restaurant. Uh, all the details about all these are available on our calendar page, soundwriter.com. Click on the calendar link, and you'll be there. Uh, and the lady riders are really getting into the food thing on the 8th of October. They're going to have a craft burger run. So you're going to meet at the designated location and ride out for craft burgers. Um, October 9th, Wham! will have their monthly sort of open house that they have. And again, lots of motorcycles. Did you and your dad make it down to Wham! when you were at the rally? We did not. I still have not managed to. And I'm just
0: for people that don't know. That's the Washington Antique Airplane and Automobile Museum. Is that right? Uh, I, I might have the the A's out of order, it, it's but Western,
3: uh, Western, Western, Western airplane and automotive <laughs> museum and
0: yeah. antiques. Yeah. So uh, no, that is a really. Uh, Uh, amazing museum in hood river that i have not been able to spend a lot of time in yet and i think uh, it's uh, worth making a special trip down there just for that
3: on uh, october 21st don't be confused it really does happen there is back my backfire moto going on it's held at the actual backfire moto location 7701 aurora avenue And uh, it's getting confusing for people because the website's not getting updated, so people don't know, is there, is it going on, is it not, where is it, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Uh, Their Facebook page is probably a better uh, guide if you're trying to get information beyond what we have on the calendar. Sounds um, good. Uh, last month, we or in the August show, we mentioned that they
0: were doing uh, the showings of On Any Sunday digitally remastered uh, at uh, certain theaters, uh, and and there's still opportunities for people to host that if they want to. When uh, any of the dealerships want to have a movie night, uh, the one the only one local that I could find was at the Clinton Street theater in portland and that's at 7:30 p.m on october 21st and they do still have tickets available uh you can go to on any 50th.com and get tickets and information all righty i love to
3: watch that movie it's inspiring
0: yeah they have little if you go to that website, they'll, they have little side-by-sides of the, you know, the before and after of the to show the the, you know, the digital remaster oh, effects okay. and it's pretty impressive. It looks awesome. really great.
1: Mhm.
3: Even just those little clips are a lot of fun to see. Yeah. I saw that movie, I hate to say it, 50 years ago. <laughs> right? Well, you're due for a refresh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then on the 24th, there's uh, a BDR thing going on. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah, so the Backcountry Discovery Route is having an online film festival and fundraiser. That's from 5 to 7 p.m., and you can get information at their website. Uh, they, they do these from time to time, uh, particularly when they're uh, previewing new routes, and so you'll get a sneak peek of the Wyoming route that they've developed, and they're still taking submissions for... Uh, motorcycle adventure films that are less than 100 seconds long, uh, they'll take those up to October 10th. So if you've shot some some video of uh, some footage of any of your, your rides, then uh, you can get those submitted and uh, maybe they'll be featured in the film festival.
3: Hmm. Maybe you could dress up like Sasquatch and come whipping down the road <laughs> on your bike and how to get you into the film fest. There you go. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Now, uh, we talked about the show at Tradex. If you don't want to go out of the country, but you'd still like to go to a motorcycle show, you're in luck. If you want to get an air flight out of the Pacific Northwest, you can fly down to Costa Mesa, California, and the International Motorcycle Show will be happening there November 19th through the 21st. And that is the only West Coast show this year. Right.
0: Yeah, and, you know, maybe uh, you want to get down to Southern California for some sunshine and uh, get away from the, the rainy season and the clouds up in the Pacific Northwest. I'm I'm, I'm enjoying having the rain back. <laughs> I know. We, we have needed the rain. It is nice that it cooled off a bit.
3: And, you know, I went to Hawaii a couple of weeks ago, and uh, you know what the difference between Hawaii and Seattle is? The I- rain is warmer in Hawaii. <laughs>
0: Fun. Well, there you go. You you uh, Hopefully, you got
3: some time on the beach and uh, didn't mind the warm rain. Uh, actually, we walked a lot. Um, nice. I'd never done this before, but we went to Hawaii for a week vacation, didn't have a rental car, couldn't get one. Oh, oh right. Yeah, but, I've heard that uh, people over there were trying to
0: get U-Hauls or anything yeah. <laughs> they could get to get around on the island. Yeah.
3: So, we just walked everywhere, and, you know, that that's okay because I walk the dogs uh, five, six miles a day, so – um, I, it actually helped me keep my stamina. When I came back to walk dogs, it was no problem.
0: Sure, and, you know, it's nice to have that slower pace sometimes and, uh, you know, smell the roses, so to speak. Yeah,
3: I took a lot of pictures of hibiscus and weird little plants that I would never notice if I was driving around in a car. Exactly, yeah, that's fun. It's Sometimes it's nice to slow down like that. So uh, Moto America, coming back to the ridge, tell us what you know.
0: Oh yeah, so th- that'll be June. I want to say twenty fourth to twenty sixth, and they're already taking reservations for people who want to uh, camp in an RV. So if you've got an RV and you wanted to spend the whole weekend out there, I think they're they're pre uh, they're taking pre sale tickets for that at this time. Wow. Um, I I will tell you, I you know sometimes we wait because uh, the that will either conflict with the Touratech Motorcycle Rally or it will conflict with the uh, the North Overland, Northwest Overland Rally out in Plain, Washington. And so uh, sometimes we have a hard time choosing which uh, which events to, to prioritize. Uh, but uh, I, I will say, you know, I know they're continuing to make improvements out at the Ridge, and it's a, just a great place. Uh, it's a great track, and uh, uh, it's cool to have, you know, to be able to go to Moto America and, and not have to drive down to monterey california or somewhere further away
3: yeah all right that's the calendar and we'll uh slide into our discussion about 2022 models coming up um first one i noticed was uh, i got a press release um, first part of september with suzuki talking about their 2022 lineup and I, i i didn't see anything new really um, we talked. We talked before about the GSXRs being redone, which is not unusual right. for them. But um, so far, as far as the other models went, they were basically had all the same stuff. And so I thought, well, that's a little bit boring. And then we got the press release the other day about this new GS. What is it? G S R X one thousand. one thousand? GSX one thousand RGT yeah right? okay so i thought that was kind of cool and i you know i I scratched my head saying what took them so long they never had <laughs> anything to compete with the fjr or the S T 1300 before so
0: yeah they, they've they also got so they've also got a uh a, a gsx s1000 gt sport touring and i i don't know if they've just made more updates on that um so that what, I was... you get
3: boxes on both of them, but there is something else they do with that. Mm-hmm. that
0: yeah, I you know I I rode their, uh the 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 naked version that I want to say I don't know it was a couple of years ago. The thing that struck me about it uh, was how nice and light and maneuverable it was. Um, but you know the I'm showing on the. Sport touring, I think it's you know it's pushing 498 pounds, which still you know if it's got, um you know if it's got all the the touring package on it, uh you know isn't isn't you know out of line with what you would expect for that. So I think it'd be fun to test ride those and
3: that's not a bad uh, about, weight you know. considering. I mean, right. I, I used to yeah. have a PC 800 and it it weighed in at 500 pounds.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a great engine. I think um uh yeah, they, I think they're uh it's nice to see that in the lineup and uh be fun to get some get a test ride.
3: <laughs> There's a guy in my neighborhood who bought a SV1000 and they never did a, a sport touring GT model of that. But he went out and he bought three GV55 or 52 liter cases mm-hmm. and wrapped the bike with those. And it looks a little bit uh explosive but i bet he's had a lot of fun because that's a really nice performance bike and so you just throw some the some bags that'll fit all your gear and go and have some fun then you're not into a 700 pound sport touring bike yeah you know when i got my fc1 i
0: ended up getting hard cases in a rack for it and i never ended up putting them on because um I, you know they it just added too much weight and width and I, I just decided i didn't like it and so um yeah i you know i think if you want a sport touring at least my you know my thought is to get a sport touring bike where the you know the 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 luggage is built in, <laughs> and yeah. then you don't have to cut the frame or, you know, end up with something that uh, that doesn't look as smooth and, and well-designed.
3: <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look like you sort of made this massive Chopped it together. <laughs> right. It's like a one-story <laughs> all- house, and you put on three more floors. Right. It's all about the aesthetics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Aprilia has a new 660 coming in the lineup. What do you know about that? The uh, the Aprilia
0: six six. Are you talking about the oh the their their adventure the oh that's the, right it's an adventure
3: bike yeah
0: yeah. So so this isn't out yet. Um, it's the it's a Tuareg, is what they're calling it, and uh, that is there's also that is named after a nomadic inhabitants of North Africa. Is that the um, same and,
3: spelling as the Volkswagen Touareg? i don't know it's
0: t-u-a-r-e-g okay is that the same so it it roughly translates to free people right and so this is their you know their their adventure bike it's uh weighs in at 412 pounds dry um it's a 660 cc parallel twin it's got a 21 inch front wheel 18 inch back wheel Hmm. um, nine and a half inches of travel nice Um, yeah, I'm super excited about it. It looks really cool, and and uh, uh, and you know, as we were talking just uh, in a little bit before the we started the show, there is an Aprilia dealer now out in uh, Kirkland, and so um, it, you know, I wouldn't mind getting over there and taking one of these for a test ride. It looks really cool, and um, I'm excited. i you know, I'd, I'd like seeing more of these uh, middleweight adventure bikes coming yeah, on me the scene.
3: Too. Super excited about them. When my uh, NX 650 went bye bye, I just was broken hearted because like there's not there's not a lot of of uh, adventure bikes out there in that in that size that I would really want to own. So right. The other thing about this and and it'll be really interesting to see how they price it, but it's got a you
0: know a full electronics package which you don't always see on the the middleweight adventure bikes, and so. Uh yeah, the big mystery now is uh you know how they're gonna price this thing and where it's gonna fall in that uh pretty competitive market right now.
3: I'm gonna guess eleven thousand. That'll be my guess.
0: Okay, I'm gonna guess uh I'm gonna guess closer to
3: I'm gonna guess thirteen. Thirteen, okay. We'll see. We'll we'll return to this when we know the list price. <laughs> All right. Uh, Moto Guzzi come up with a really beautiful new bike called the V100 what's the uh, Milan? Mandelo. Mandelo, yeah. Yeah, and that, that gets released on November
0: 23rd at the International Motorcycle Exhibition in Milan. So we'll know more about it then, but you've got a really great write-up from uh, Dave Richardson on the Sound Rider and the
3: articles. Uh, if people want to get the All kinds of great details on that. Yeah, Dave put a post up, and it was rather long. Uh, I think it's like four thousand words, but uh, I just thought, you know, this is really good. So he writes so well. So uh, I asked him, Dave, can we rerun that in SoundWriter? He said, sure. So it's there. Yeah,
0: right. You get a a really nice history in
3: it. So right, you get an
0: insider perspective that
3: uh, I think is uh,
0: pretty rare that you're not going to find anywhere else. Um,
3: So uh, Ducati coming out with a – they call it the Desert X bike. I call it the Desert Sled. It looks like a scrambler that they sort of rallied up. Yeah, I haven't looked at that
0: one yet. Um, So tell me, what do you know about that one?
3: Uh, I guess you're supposed to ride it in the desert. (laughs)
0: That's (laughs) why they call it
3: the Desert (laughs) X (laughs) bike. It it appears to be probably the most uh you know dirt aggressive scrambler they've come to market with and it's sure. it kind of updated doesn't have that classic scrambler look to it so
0: yeah it seems like Ducati's been having a lot of fun with the the scrambler and just... Yeah, doing doing some cool yeah. stuff. It's
3: got like scrambler comes in like six flavors now. Right, I know you can have a, a lot of different options. There. And I, you know, I admire them for that. in in terms mm-hmm. of taking a motor and building around it and doing different stuff with that motor, it's just like uh, Suzuki with the with the SV series. You know, those motors right. they were they were well built motors. Actually, those motors were built down in Taiwan, I think, hmm. and uh, and then shipped up to Japan and installed. But um, but they milked it, you know. They, they got sure. a lot of, I mean, they're still milking the DR motors. Sure. That's the thing. I mean,
0: you get a nice, strong, uh, well-performing motor, and uh, you can do a lot of different things in terms of how you uh, design a bike around it and, you know, fill a lot of different market segments and appeal to a lot of different riders and have some fun with it.
3: And I think we're seeing that with Triumph as well with this new yep. Tiger 660 Sport that's going to come out. Um, and the, the, the photos that I've seen of it, it looks kind of like a, like a naked sport bike right. rather than an adventure bike.
0: Yeah, and they're working on some uh, upgrades and updates to the Tiger 1200 too. And uh, all I, you know, all I've seen so far is that uh, they're claiming that's going to be a lighter weight, and the video of that shows it doing some pretty big jumps. <laughs>
3: so uh, it'll be fun to see when that uh, when that hits the market too. And then uh, there's no photos of this yet that we've seen, but there's a Rally 660 that they're talking about coming to market with as well. So there again, we're we're filling that 600 cc dual sport market
0: right now remind me we used to have a triumph dealer in bremerton that closed a while back is there what's going on in the is there a dealer in
3: seattle there is a dealer in seattle on aurora just uh right down near the zoo or not the zoo but green lake gotcha okay cool yeah i'm glad that they're still there and that's like I, i i know i haven't looked at my uh i know we have the directory updated Uh, So there must be another dealer. I I seem to think the nearest one is down in Oregon. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. Uh, Oh, they might sell them up there at that shop that's near the border off of I-5. Oh, up in Bellingham? Yeah, but but the guy never has a whole lot of inventory because he doesn't have the room in there. Mm. Anyhow. Um, uh,
0: there, there's. I, I did read that their uh, zeros got a. Uh, they're coming out in 2022 with a, a zero S naked bike, and uh, they're saying that that one's going to have 89 miles of range, uh, which I think is a, a, a significant uptick from what they've had uh, been able to achieve so far. Does that sound? Does
3: that sound like news to you? Well, what I remember <laughs> about Zero was they 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 would have told you six or seven years ago that their bikes had 100 mile range, and they didn't. And and they always kept saying that it was like, but but they don't. So why do you keep advertising this way? <laughs> and now I guess they're finally oh. coming down to reality.
0: Sure. Or get,
3: well, eighty. Yeah. they if they're really uh, able to get the eighty-nine mile mark,
0: that might um, that might bring some more people uh, into the mix on uh, the electric bikes.
3: Yeah. I don't know how fast you can charge it either. I want to. I wanna... Yeah, you know what? I,
0: yeah, I can't remember. I I did look at that, and I, you know, it, it sounded again. It just, I, yeah, the whole thing just sounded like they they had made some gains that that might uh, be make it a little more appealing to the people that have that have kind of been on the on the cusp of trying to figure out if that was something that would work for them.
3: Yeah. And for the kind of money that you have to pay to get that bike, you know, you got to really ask yourself, how practical is it? If it's got 89 mile range on it, maybe I could charge it over lunch, but it's not going to be a three or 400 mile a day bike.
0: Right. But a great commuter, if you're, you know, if you're living in an urban area and, and, you know, not taking long road trips, then uh, I think it, it could be a great option.
3: Yep. All right. Um,
1: We are going to take a little break, and when we come back, we'll have some tips and tricks. Support for the Soundwriters Show is provided in part by... Cycle Barn of Smoky Point, your destination location for all things Honda, Yamaha, Kawasaki, and KTM. Featuring a large showroom and fully staffed service area, the Smoky Point Cycle Barn is the place to come and compare all the latest models, have your bike serviced, and shop for aftermarket apparel and parts. Visit them online at cyclebarn.com.
3: Hello, my name is Jack. I'm from Marysville. One of my favorite roads to ride on the state of Washington is the Canyon Road that goes from Sela, Washington to Ellensburg. And the best time to ride it is generally after 6 o'clock on a uh, weekday because there's no state patrol. Thanks.
2: Hello, this is Bob Owen from the Sound Rider Crew. The Northwest is indeed a great place to ride a motorcycle both on the pavement and off. But right now you're listening to the Soundwriter Show.
0: to the soundwriter show we're gonna talk about tips and tricks and for uh for my tip and trick uh with the uh winter season and the shorter days and the 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 darker uh darker driving i i thought it would be a a good time to encourage everybody to uh refresh their reflective stripping and stickers and patches uh you can get all kinds of um Uh, You know, you can get tape and stickers that you can put on your helmet. You can get iron-on for the, you know, for your textiles. And uh, I think it's a a really good time to take a look at your bike and uh, see if uh, maybe you could make some improvements
3: that uh, increase your visibility now that we're getting into the darker days. Yeah, you know, my luggage won't let a sticker stay on very long. I think I'm going to have to start gooping those things on or something. Is it uh, uh, textile rather than? Uh, uh, is it some kind of? Uh, oh, it's a, it's a hard lexan yeah. case. That's hard. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. It's the yeah. it's the the Honda OEM case for the NC700, but it's made by GV interesting so I, I
0: feel like i've had a gv case in the back uh past where i didn't have i you know i don't know maybe try different kinds of um of uh, of, of stickers brands of stickers i'm not sure i feel like some of those tapes work better than others yeah. i did see um i did see that uh there's available now that there's a smart brake light that you can put on your helmet and it's batter it's self-contained battery operated no um no wires or anything and you can get an extra mount for it so that if you have more than one helmet, you can put, you know, a mount on each helmet and then just snap this brake light in. And it's, uh, it senses engine braking and, uh, you know, and braking and slowing down. And so it will light up, uh, at they run around $170. And I thought, well, that's an, also an interesting option, uh, for, um, you know for visibility at night or for people being able to see when you 're stopping i don't know how well it works i didn't see any demos of of uh you know what how they set their algorithms in there to sense breaking, but I thought for uh, you know i've i've seen i've been in a car behind motorcycles that are really really hard to see and you know anything that you can do to to increase your visibility at, at yeah. night and in these darker days especially in you know in the rainy weather
3: and on the wet roads I if your if uh, your brake light idea. and stuff isn't that bright you can convert it to led you can convert your right. your headlight to led speaking of headlights you had to do a little headlight work down the gorge tell us about that
0: I, well, when I got, so when I was, so riding back from the gorge in Battleground, Washington, woohoo! stopped for gas. I know. Woohoo. Stopped for lunch. Stopped for gas. Couldn't get the, so fill up the tank. Couldn't get the bike to start. <laughs> and it turns out, so I, you know, tried to jump start, it. <laughs> you know, but uh, ended up, uh, so here's the, here's the odd thing. Found that a fuse had burned out, replaced the fuse the bike runs, get it home. You know, we realized that the light was uh, the the high beam wasn't working. Okay. So get the bike home. It turns out that the fuse we replaced was the fuse for the uh, wiring that went to the Optimate battery maintainer, which Uh was not in use at the time. (laughs) So it doesn't make any sense at all that replacing that fuse is what made the bike Run <laughs> and so it might have been uh, it was very strange, well, the only I thing of-
3: I could see that would blow would be if you got water up in uh, in uh, in the plug in receptacle maybe i you know there, i didn 't go through any wet anything i mean it was you know it was dry
0: weather. The other interesting thing that happened was. You know, one of the bulbs had blown because there was evidence of scorching in the you know the mirrored part of the reflective part of the the casing for the light. Mm -hmm. And uh, but the fuse for the light didn't blow. (laughs) So, huh? (laughs) I know, right? Huh? What happened? Um, And then I found you know I've got the climber book for the for the KLR and the the pictures weren't quite matching up with what I was. uh, you, You know, it's hard to see and and you know to get visibility on the little brackety springs and all that stuff holding that and so i ended up taking more of the fairing off on one side just so that i could see better what i was doing mm-hmm. <laughs> i was also like doing the trick where you slide your phone up there and try to take pictures of in these little you were finding channels. all the little <laughs> insect nests in there weren't you I did, You know, I didn't have that, fortunately. I, I did have a really uh, large uh, chunk of um, cricket leg stuck to the headlight. Um, that was uh, pretty gross. But um, anyway, it took about six hours to change a light bulb. I'm uh, embarrassed wow. to say, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but, and, and, you know, some of the fairing, the two of the screws for the upper fairing on the KLR are almost impossible to get at uh could you know certainly couldn't get my hand in there could barely get a wrench in there and so and then you can maybe get like an eighth of a turn right so it it took for i'm not sure it was worth it but but once i had the one side where i could actually see a little bit better than than the other side i could do by feel and not uh you know not have be as clueless
3: (laughs) as trying to stumble around one of the tips that i give people when i'm doing like a packing light packing right seminar is if you've never changed your headlight bulb or your brake light bulb Mm -hmm. or your blinker bulbs you should do that at home sometime just to see what it's actually like because if you have to do that on the road you'd like to have a mindset already that's that's going to tell you hey this is going to take a while and you have to be patient doing this Uh, right you know you think well it's just a motorcycle i could do it in five minutes well not so like on uh, one of my bikes i can't even see up Mm -hmm. in there i have to do it all by touch with my hand right and then put it back together mm -hmm.
0: right yeah that second one i ended up having to do by feel and and if you know it's much time as that took yeah, I, you know hopefully next time it will be better so that is a great thing to check out at home in your garage when you have plenty of time and patience
3: so <laughs> you your were patience. you were relating a or a story to me about you're getting accessories for this new t7 that you bought and yeah the, yep the tenere 700 so i've got now a i've got crash
0: bars a uh back rack and a skid plate and all of that still needs to be installed
3: and so we were talking about how your garage needs to be reorganized so you can find your tools and also about how the the toolkit that you got with the t7 uh doesn't really have a lot of gumption shall we say
0: there, there isn't much to it, and and uh, you know, I, I honestly, after we were talking about it, kind of wanted to go, uh, go out <laughs> to the garage and look at it again. But it's so, you know, it is so small and kind of bare minimum that, um, I, I really honestly haven't paid much attention to it.
3: <laughs> so I, I have um, several tips for you and anybody else who wants to listen. All right, let's um, hear them. First of all, when you get a new motorcycle nowadays, you really don't get much for a toolkit, man. I think somebody recently got a bike and all they got was like a spark plug wrench. Wow! But um, you need to. Anybody who has got one of these minimalist toolkits that wouldn't even get them through a level one service, like right. an oil change, and a you know, uh, you need to build up a toolkit. I I like to start with getting something like a nice cruise tools kit and then going through uh, the process of what a level one or a level two service would be on the bike. And everything that I use, I put it off to one side, and then the things that I don't use – they're not going to be necessary on the bike, most likely. Right. And so yeah. I can leave yeah. those off to the side. Then I, then I find out what's not in the kit that I need to ascertain. Maybe there's not a, an 11 millimeter socket, and I need right. that. So then I have to go out and, and buy, you know, and, and everybody hates going out and buying tools, you know, and nobody sure. enjoys that. <laughs> so you have your little shopping list, and you go out and you build a really nice toolkit for your bike. Now, yep. the other little tip I have for you is you're getting all these accessories. Some of them, probably not a problem if, if, uh, when you're on the road, but something like uh, if you're getting hard cases on to the bike, uh, you know what a pucker rock is? I do not. When you're riding along on something <laughs> like a BDR, there would be a big old tumbleweed, and you'll think, hey, I'll just go right by that tumbleweed, and, you know, it, it, it'll hit my pannier, but it won't be a problem. And then all of a sudden, boom, what's happened is the tumbleweed was right in front of a really big boulder, and you just whacked your pannier Ooh. real good. Yikes. You're going to need to get it off the bike. You're going to need to pound it out. Hopefully, you've got a mallet with you, a, ru- a rubber mallet. And try to reshape it, but how you're going to get it off the bike is the question. Because you need to have the tools on board, not only for that level one and level two service, but to deal with that that uh, luggage mount or whatever accessories you've put on that could be a problem when you're on the road. Sure. You know, I found, too,
0: that um, so I bought my KLR used and um, it doesn't have the original hardware in a lot of places. And so, you know, what works on one side of the bike for one thing, you know, doesn't work on the other side of the bike. And so I'm actually thinking about getting, you know, replacing some of that hardware on that bike so that I don't need so many tools for it.
3: Yeah, good (laughs) idea. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. That would be a nice winter uh, project.
0: Right. Both of those are, are great uh, winter projects is getting those uh, toolkits lined up with what's really needed on the bike and, and not finding out the hard way or in, under the wrong circumstances that you don't have what you need. So is that <laughs> something
3: prop- you think you can do through a dealer? Or are you going to have to jump on eBay and start sourcing out the proper parts? To get tools for the the uh, KLR mm-hmm. or the hardware for the KLR? Yeah, for replacing that hardware that you want to replace. Are you going to be able to get that through a dealer or are you going to have to go digging around for it?
0: That's a good question. I was planning on just stripping
3: some of the hardware off and wandering around one of the you know one of the hardware stores and seeing what I could find. But maybe that's not the best way to do it. Just take it, it all know. off. Take it all off one side and take it to a machinist and say, "Hey, make right. a reverse on right. all these for me." Right. <laughs> oh man! I, so when I lived in the Midwest, I used to uh,
0: work at a tool company that had a, a machinist, and uh, boy, if I uh, still had that
3: connection, I'd be all set. Yeah. All right, well, that's our show for October. We're going to uh, hopefully we get some sunny days here go and get some riding in before, before the monsoons continue. Yeah, I think we've got a beautiful weekend coming up and uh, get as much riding in and get ready for those uh, off-season projects.: There you go. All right, we'll see you back here in November. Happy Halloween.
2: The Sound Writer Show was made possible by today's sponsors and the patients of everyone else involved, which is not to say we're doctors. Reproduction of this program in part or in whole is not legal without the express written consent of the podcast owner. But please be sure to share the link with all your Facebook friends. This program is a production of Mixed Media. The content and views of today's guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any major media conglomerate anywhere else in the world, including CBS, NBC, ABC, MotoGP, the BBC, PBS, NPR, the Discovery Network, or the Cartoon Channel. See you next time on The Sound Rider Show.